Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Healer, Heal Yourself, Reduce Burnout, Discover Your Creativity While You Heal Others. Today, I have um, physician Judith, Dr. Judith Hansen, who is a chef. And um, I'm going to have her introduce herself and tell us all about how this happened. <laughs> so welcome. Welcome to the podcast, Judith. It's good to hear Thank from you. Thank you, Hisla. Thank you for inviting me. Hello, everyone. Um, as uh, Hisla has said, I am actually a doctor. Um, I'll give you a little background about myself. Uh, I went to Mount Sinai Medical School, uh, and then I was actually going to go into surgery, but I actually ended up in radiology, and I did my radiology training in Morristown in New Jersey. After that, I did an interventional radiology fellowship at Cornell, uh, which was wonderful, absolutely loved it, and was in practice for, oh my goodness, a number of years, uh, being a physician for over 15 years. Um, after that, I decided I needed to spend a little bit more time on myself instead of just giving to others. So I actually, I don't do anything halfway. So I decided um, since I've always loved baking and cooking. So I went to culinary school and um, I became a classically trained chef. And then I specialized in baking and pastry. Uh, from there, I moved into specialty cakes um, and particularly bespoke wedding cakes. Um, they're a whole field of that, you know, in and of themselves. So um, that's what I do. And the latest thing that I have taken on is um, studying to become a chocolatier as well. Oh, so interesting. So we have to back up a bit. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Oh, wow. Um, it was wonderful. I have absolutely no complaints. Um, very enjoyable, very. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up, well, I grew up in a number of different places, actually, because my father worked in the government, actually. So we lived in Jamaica, mm -hmm. West Indies, actually, for the first five years of my life. Then we moved to the United States and remained there for another five years, then moved back to Jamaica. It was a bit of back and forth, uh, depending on who was in power in terms of the government. So that was actually- and you, you were born in Jamaica? Yes, mm -hmm. I was born in Jamaica mm -hmm. uh, and have fond memories. Went to high school there actually. And um, throughout high school even, I was always, uh, in the science um, stream, you know, they used to, well, I don't know if you know, but they streamlined people uh, from high school, you're in the, in the uh, sciences or the arts or otherwise. And I was always in the sciences. You but, had to choose one or the other as in high yeah. school, you had to yes. really declare your path. Huh. Yes, yes, okay. you did. That's mm -hmm. how they had it. Um, and I chose the sciences, uh, which was wonderful. I loved that. But throughout all of that, I was very artistic. I used to uh -huh. sketch and um, do lots of drawings, some painting, but mostly drawings and sketches. And um, towards the end of high school, I kind of had to make a decision. Although I had always been along the science route, 
am I going to continue down that path or am I going to give the arts a chance? Um, and I chose to go with the sciences because everyone has heard, you know, the starving artist. Yeah. And yeah. Th that just did not appeal to me at all. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's yeah, how no it was. No one wants to be a starving artist. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not at yeah. all. That is totally a deterrent that, you know, I think a lot of creative creative people run away from the arts because they feel like there's no security. There's no way they're going to make a living or have a job. And so it sounds like that was the same for you. You wanted to kind of choose a, a surer path. Okay. So you went into the sciences and you were in Jamaica at the time. And then what? Where'd you go um, next? Then we moved after graduation from high school to the United States. We went to New York. Okay. And yeah. And um, then I ended up uh, at NYU after that first. Um, and I got a degree in biochemistry. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, science, science, science all the way. That comes um, in handy, though, for baking. Baking is science, isn't it? I, I, it actually is. Yes, it yeah. really is. And so it has worked out. It's amazing how life works out that way. Um, but yeah, I, I did that, um, got the biochemistry. That was wonderful. And I, since that was my major, then, of course, I decided, of course, I was going to become a physician. And that's what I was going yeah. to do. So tell me about that decision to become a physician. Was that a calling for you? Yes. It was a calling for me. Um, my father had diabetes from a relatively young age. Um, and we were very fortunate enough that he had a full life, full length of life. Um, and he never let anything restrict him, which was wonderful. So, but uh, as a little girl, I saw him all the time, you know, taking his insulin and all that. And then I, of course, was intrigued and would do it for him. He was still young enough to do it for himself, but I wanted to be part of that. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the, maybe the impetus came, mm -hmm. the drive for it, um, the curiosity for it, wanting to, as cheesy as it sounds, help people. Uh, mm -hmm. That was there and um, had been there throughout my entire life. So mm -hmm. the decision to follow through with medicine was not so far-fetched at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what was it like being a medical student for you? Were you, did you continue sketching and drawing and your creative pursuits or did you have to put it aside? I had to put it aside. Mm -hmm. I had to put it aside. The demands of um, a medical school were great and being the type A person that I am, um, you know, nothing but the best was going to be good enough. And I did not want to stretch myself too thinly. So mm -hmm. it was, I was very focused. It was medicine and that was it. Um, I, I used to play the piano as a child, actually, um, right through high school, actually. And then again, I stopped. So mm -hmm. everything artistic uh, stopped when I went to medical school. I decided I'll, I'll get back to it eventually, maybe, you know, um, yeah. someday kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, that was how I looked at it. So I, yeah. I did the route. You did what? So I just went the medical route and uh, no regrets at yeah, all. Mm -hmm. You know, it yeah. was wonderful. Now, did you talk about um, creative things or did you find yourself, you know, hanging out with other people who were creatives did you see no. 
Mm-hmm. I did not. The, I did not until I was. I was a. I was a. I was actually. I had finished my fellowship and everything, and I was starting or to have started as a junior attending, and I then decided I wanted to do one more fellowship in MR because I just thought that that would really uh, enhance what I was doing because I was doing MR. What is MR oh. for our listeners who might not be physicians? Oh, um, MR is a mode of uh, imaging um, mm-hmm. where you use sound waves to um, and magnetic resonance to, uh, that's probably too complicated as well, um, to determine um, medical issues and problems. You get images from mm-hmm. that. So it uses magnetic um, radiation, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. in order to form images, and then we can treat a patient that way. So um, I took a specialty fellowship, another one in that, to go along and complement the interventional radiology that I was um, doing. Uh, And I found when I was doing that, that I suddenly had the urge to bake. Really? More so than anything. Yes. And I just, it was a way for me to relax, as it turns out use the other side of my brain and I would bake and I would take things in and I would give to any and anyone who would eat. Of course, it's a hospital and you're among residents and physicians. We're all always hungry. <laughs> so it worked out quite well. It did, yeah. And yeah. nurses too. Yeah, yes. I, I find baking extremely therapeutic and that's definitely one of the things that I enjoy doing as well. Mm-hmm. But you took it to a different level, <laughs> right? Eventually, yes. yes. Eventually. So tell me how that all started. How did you um, go from being a, an interventional radiologist to a baker? That's a huge shift. It was a very huge shift. Um, and it had its issues. The reason, believe it or not, why I took a step back was my father unexpectedly passed away. It was not at all related, thank you. It wasn't at all related to diabetes or anything like that, but it was unexpected. And and he was my biggest supporter in life and in the pursuit of medicine and, and just in life in general, anything that I wanted to do. And it really, it took a long time for me to deal with that grief. And um, I decided I needed to step back and see what else in life made me happy. Mm-hmm. I was thrilled up until that point, doing what I was doing. I was helping people, which was, I had always wanted to do. Um, as patients, as, um, as someone who encouraged other people to go into medicine, I did that. I mean, I think I affected quite a number of people, um, which was great and I loved it, but I don't think that it gave me eventually at this point enough satisfaction um, or it didn't feed my soul the way it had in the beginning. And maybe that's a better way to put it. Mm -hmm. And so when my father passed away and I took a look at myself, I realized, you know, tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Um, We do our best, obviously, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to focus a little bit more on myself, which 
at the time sounded very selfish to me. And I battled with that. I, you know, it's like, and I saw myself only as a physician. That was it. Mm-hmm. It took close to a year mm-hmm. of me trying to figure out my own identity because I had always been a physician. That's all I knew. That's who I was. Um, to the point where, I mean, even people had said to me at the time, you know, well, you know, tell me about yourself. And the first thing out of my mouth was I was a physician first, you know, then I'd say, oh, well, then uh, I'm a mother or whatever. That always came after. Being a physician was always first. That's how I saw myself. Um, So I then went through this self-exploration and I decided the thing that made me happiest was still baking. I really wanted to do it. It, It's Mm -hmm. fed me in a different way. And so, um, of course, being who I am, I decided I wasn't just going to, oh, just bake for myself. That wasn't good enough for me. I needed training. I needed maybe the structure of it, just like going to medical school. And I loved food and all of that. So I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go, I'm going to become a chef. And there are different pathways. And I will tell anyone, when you go to culinary school, your outlook, you think it's going to be fun. It's going to be easy. Um, You'll enjoy it and it's great. And you will. It's not as easy as people would think though, because if you just, if you do a, um, just go the baking pathway, it's two years and it's more of just the baking part. To be a classically trained chef, you do everything from baking and pastry, cooking, all of those things but you also learn how to run a business and their ethics involved, et cetera. So I went down that route, um, but it's so creative. It's so wonderful. And I found putting myself into it so much. Um, I participated in competitions, which I had never done before. Yeah. And that was amazing. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. Um, anyone who's ever watched Food Network, or yeah. something. Were yeah. you winning at these competitions? Were, were you getting validation that this yeah. is the right path? Yes, actually I was. And I was very proud, especially when I got that first uh, gold medal, you know, came in first for desserts <laughs> of all things. Um, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. It made me smile again in a way that I hadn't in a long time. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it, as I said, it fed my soul and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much I needed it Mm -hmm. until it happened. I totally that. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. And basically, as they say, the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to go back just a little bit because there must have been um, some self-talk or transition between you know, being on the, on the unit in, in the hospital to deciding I'm going to go to culinary school. And I know that your, your dad's passing was definitely um, something that prompted the shift, but what was the decision-making that you had to do? Because financially you were going to take a hit in some way, if you stopped working to take two years off to, to go to culinary school. So what, what were you thinking during that period of time? Um, it 
was definitely something to to grapple with. Um, I was very fortunate um, because I was married and um, my husband is a physician, a very understanding one uh, on many levels. And so um, he was very supportive. He was also very close to my father. So he understood what I was going through and that I needed to find another outlet outlet so to speak well, you um took time off i'm imagining you took some I time took, off yeah i took some time off um and it just turned out to be more than i thought i was going to need um and actually because i am a classically trained chef meaning i went through the entire thing that's four years of training not two oh, wow um yeah. So, um, but I had a big discussion with my husband and basically he was, you know, whatever you need, it's fine. Um, and so that enabled me to say, okay, I will take a leap and I will do it knowing that, um, you know, everything was going to change in my life because uh, not only, and it was more personal at that point um, yeah. because yes, you know, the, the hours that were, are demanded of a, of a physician are very mm -hmm. different. However, when you're in the culinary field, you have some pretty long hours as well. I mean, and people don't see that. They don't think about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the day started early. And so our older daughter, we had an older one who helped out with the twins. Mm -hmm. um, everyone woke up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning so that way I could get myself ready, get everybody else ready so I could get to culinary school. Um, so it was a sacrifice, not just for me, but for my entire family. Mm. Uh, as far as financial hit goes, yes, it was big. <laughs> and also being a, an independent woman, uh, you know, making my own um, money, um, that also, a lot of it had to do with a lot of self-searching. You know, uh, just how did that sit with me more so than my husband? He had no issues at all. But it was like, well, how did I feel not getting that, you know, paycheck all the time? And in my name, it didn't really matter how much it was, but I was no longer getting a paycheck mm -hmm. with my name on it kind of thing. So that took a while. And it was a struggle. Again, how I perceived myself. It was a big shift for how I perceived myself. Um, so, you know, that was that, but um, well, everyone, just, mm -hmm. go ahead. I, I, sorry to interrupt. I didn't, didn't mean to, but I noticed that when people make shifts like this, usually it's preceded by a time of quiet, a time of reflection. And it sounds like that period of time where you were able to reflect and be quiet with yourself um, even in your grieving was a time of reflection and noticing that something had to change, something had to shift. Yeah. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, and had my father not passed, I probably would not have gone down this road at all, or at least no time it soon. It would have taken longer. Probably. It would have taken longer. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Yes, it did allow me to do a lot of self-reflection, to be quiet yeah. um, and to put all the demands of everyone else on hold mm -hmm. and just take a look and see what did I need? That's so important. So yeah. important, especially for women, because we tend to sacrifice 
so much of ourselves as physicians for, for our patients, you know, I always saw patients as coming first, um, then family, then maybe me somewhere <laughs> down the line, you know, exactly. and, and to make a shift like that has, it has to be very, very tough, but you have a very successful business now, which, you know, I've, I've watched you grow over the years. And I remember like your, your early cakes, you know, when you were just starting out compared to what you're doing now, which, you know, look like phenomenal, beautiful works of art and sculpture. Um, so, so tell us about the name of your business so people can look you up. <laughs> Um, online and um, and what what that process was for you in establishing a business, becoming an entrepreneur, at, you know, after being a physician. So let's let's walk along that path with you. Okay. Um, well, first of all, the uh, business is called Nadia's Indulgences. Um, Nadia is a take on my middle name, which is Nadine. And so uh, that's where that name comes from. Uh, my logo, though, is from a set of um, uh, sugar flowers that I made for my daughter's birthday. So for me, it's very personal and I love it. Um, the journey has been amazing. Um, certainly not without its hardships and trials and tribulations, but again, coming from a medical background, you know, if you can do medicine, you can do anything basically. Yeah. <laughs> that has always been my outlook. So um, it was interesting because again, having done only medicine up until that point, um, I had never taken a business course um, other than what was offered in culinary school. Because as I said, being the chef, not just a line cook or one of the assistants, um, you do get certain courses along those lines. Um, so I had gotten that, but that was about the extent of it. And um, let's see, the, the, the idea, the switch, if you want to call it that, from doing savory um, culinary wise to baking and pastry, because they're very different. Um, yes, as a chef for savory dishes, uh, you know, you, you have to, uh, it has certain parameters and uh, you want certain things to be done. Having said that, it's a lot more forgiving. You know, mm. you can put in a little dish, uh, you know, a smidgen of that and a dash of this and, and it'll be fine, which you definitely cannot do with baking and pastry. The precision that was needed for it spoke to me. When I took, again, the introduction in culinary school, and that's actually why I'm doing the chocolatier courses now, mm. um, because I also was introduced to the behind the scenes of chocolate, which is nothing but science from the beginning to the end. It's a lovely medium, I digress for a moment, but it's full of science. So I'll get back to that in a minute, but <laughs> the, cake, <laughs> the cakes are wonderful. Um, starting out, you know, you, you do your best. Um, it was, it took a while to get the artistic flow. And um, because of the medium that it is, you know, first of all, it's food. And then, well, how creative can you be with food, in particular with cake? Um, that took a while. And as you saw, the early ones, they were, they all tasted great. They always tasted great, which I think, of course, I might be biased. Um, but everyone that I've ever 
given cakes to or sold cakes to, I mean, they cannot believe the flavor and the mouth experience that they have. Because mm -hmm. um, that's what I want them to have. Not You don't just eat cake, you experience it. And so I wanted that to be imparted not only by the taste buds and the fragrance that you smell, uh, but visually as well. So I worked really hard for a long time and it does take practice. Uh, you know, they say you need 10,000 hours of practice to become an expert, something like that. Um, the journey was that of plateaus, many plateaus, um, and then you get an exponential rise again, and then another plateau for a while. And you'll find, or I found anyway, that um, discovering my own aesthetic has taken quite a while. I'm very pleased with where I am now. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that they are, the expression is more artistic, um, but there's always, you know, a longer way to go. So uh, it, it's, it's a journey though. It is a journey and it's a beautiful one to, I mean, the consistency and the persistence, you know, is what makes you successful in any field, right? And to be in a field where you can actually monetize it, um, express your creativity, I'm sure that brings you great joy. Yes. It does. It is my happy place now, actually. Wow. So, um, you know, if, if I am bothered at, about anything at home, I find myself, okay, I'll whip up a little something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it makes me smile. Um, it has also afforded me many avenues because with the cakes, for example, I have been able to utilize my manual dexterity from doing interventional radiology into sugar art. So I make these uh, very lifelike flowers using sugar uh, as decor uh, for the cakes um, and foliage and um, even edible sculptural materials now that I'm you know, yeah. dabbling with and experimenting with. And um, so I get satisfaction from yeah. it, mm -hmm. you know, intellectually as well. It's, it's very rounded what I've gotten from it, I think emotionally, intellectually, um, even the, the physical manifestation of everything. It's, it's actually very good. I am enjoying it tremendously. Yeah. And yes, your works, you know, your cakes are like sculptural masterpieces. The flowers are gorgeous and beautiful. And, and um, you know, I wonder how it feels to have someone devour <laughs> your creation <laughs> it is it feels good but at the same time there's a lot of work that went into that yes yes that's so true um you know it's not uncommon that I hear people say it was so beautiful we didn't want to eat it you know mm -hmm. we were scared to to try and I was like no it's there to be enjoyed in every sense um yes a lot of work goes into it. Um, and I tend to find myself drawn to uh, doing um, pieces, I call them pieces or cake creations that require a lot of detail. So there's a lot of labor that goes into it, but that is me, that is who I am and I'm able to express that. Um, but when I see someone take a bite and you know they're ooing and eyeing over how it looks and then 
they feed themselves. And I'm using the word feed specifically. Um, and, you know, they close their eyes and you can see them enjoying it to such an extent. It makes my heart sing. It really does. I feel, yes, I feel content. You know, it just, it comes over me and I'm like, this, this is it. I, I you know, it's, it's what I want. You couldn't ask for a better feeling because really, as any artist would know, and you know, yeah. you put yourself into your work. It is a piece of you. You are putting yourself out yeah. there yeah. and uh, for it to be appreciated in such a manner, there's no better thing. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I totally get it because um, it's that, it's that communication that one can have with something you've created. It can cause emotion in others and, and that, that those reactions, you know, permeate to you as well. They come back to you in a, in such a beautiful, positive way that it is in an, it in itself is healing. It's, yes. it's really something very special that I think creative people and artists experience. And uh, so important that, you know, that we be able to experience that. I want everybody to be able to experience some of that. You also exactly. do, you also do wedding cakes, which are so tied to, um, you know, an emotional event, a very significant event in people's lives. And, um, and that connection with the beauty and the emotion and everything, it's got to be very fulfilling. It is very fulfilling. I love it. Um, when, especially for the wedding cakes, you know, I get to know the clients, um, my clients, and it really is every cake that I do is an embodiment of who they are. And I really try to get, I, I get their story, um, likes and dislikes, everything that comes together and then put it out there into mm. the cake. So it's, um, as I said, an embodiment of who they are as a couple through my hands. And it is such a, an honor. It's such a wonderful, warm feeling to know that you've made that connection with people who are about to start a new chapter in their lives and what I really love about it as well is and it goes back to being a physician you know we, we care for people that's what we do inside and out no matter which area of medicine you're in you're treating the whole person and I found that with the wedding cakes in particular that's how it was yeah. you're treating through food person or a couple, whomever, but in this case, it's a couple inside and out, you know, they look at it, they see it, but they know when they go close to a cake, for example, and they see a little something that, oh, they might've mentioned in passing, they really like this, but they didn't expect it to be there. And I do that. I put little things in. So when, as the couple, they're there and they're about to cut the cake and they notice, oh my goodness, look what's there. I didn't know she was going to do that. I, it, you know, it's, has that connection and it's it makes me smile it makes them more than smile and to me it's significant that I can affect them in such a positive way I love it that's so beautiful that's so beautiful um wow I can't wait to share this with everyone uh tell me about the rice paper because when we were talking earlier you mentioned how 
you had to surrender. And I love that word surrender. It, you know, it, it's, so it's about vulnerability and I'd love mm-hmm. to hear you talk about the rice paper again. Okay. Um, rice paper, uh, for anyone who does not know, um, is an edible medium and it's used if, uh, most people are familiar with it in uh, Asian food, Asian cultures. It's what they use for, um, wrapping little, um, doughs and little balls or things like that. And, um, delicious and it's a way of giving food but it's also a medium that you can use to decorate and it's great for decorating cakes you can do all sorts of things with it the interesting thing about it that I found as a physician um, always in control of everything is that rice paper does what it wants it will curl and move and crinkle and become a shape all on its own once you start a process with it. And of course that depends on humidity, temperature, whatever, but it has a life of its own, a mind of its own, so to speak. And as an artist, you have to surrender to it. If you think that you're going to control it in its entirety to what you want or what you're thinking, um, you will be forever frustrated and you will never use it. You have to say, okay, this is what is happening. How am I going to change? How am I going to work with this? You have to surrender the control. There is no way you can control it. Mm -hmm. And with that, I found it has also opened up another level of consciousness, if you'd like to call it that, of what do you do with this now that you've been presented with a form, basically. You can maneuver it here and there a bit, but it's going to end up not what you're thinking in your mind, and you have to be adept at dealing with that. And so it was a good lesson for me anyway, to say, okay, I'm no longer in control, but that's okay. I'm going to be able to handle it and use it and be successful with using it. So um, using rice paper has taught me a lot about myself, (laughs) (laughs) patience, but creativity as well, you know, um, you have things in your mind where you're picturing things. Um, and for that reason, when I um, when I sign on basically to do a project, whether it's a wedding cake or a special, let's say, anniversary cake or for something like that, um, I tell people it's an, an, an organic process. You know, for me, it really is. Every cake, although I sketch it out and I might show them, well, this is basically a blueprint Mm-hmm. There will be modifications along the way because mm-hmm. it is an organic process and everything will take shape as it goes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just the way it is. It's part of the artistic process, actually. I'm sure you're, you find that as well. Absolutely. A hundred percent. It's a metaphor for life as well. Yeah. You know, I think um, when you're doing something creative, you have to do away with perfectionism we have perfectionism in medicine and we, we try to be as perfect as possible because we don't want to make any mistakes, but art and creativity allow us to have a a relationship with imperfection. And, and that relationship with imperfection is, is just, you know, how life is really, we can't control it. We can't. I agree with you completely. And actually, it's interesting because that is how I started with my baking. When I started out, this was way before culinary school, um, 
I would bake and I would hardly ever follow a recipe. We all know baking is science, but I liked saying, oh, well, imagine I want to bake a cake and I don't have, you know, one of the ingredients. What do I have? Well, how can I be creative and make it work? And that's how I started. And I really loved that freedom. And it's interesting because with baking and pastry, which really is very precise, yes. um, the yeah, the, the decorating part, the design part is where I am actually able to then express that. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a balance and it's the best of both worlds. I get mm-hmm. to be, you know, very strict and um, deal with uh, recipes that I must follow because it is science. But then yeah. I have other side. Being creative yeah, with the, the decorative side is, yeah. is that you can't really control a hundred percent. So one of the burning questions I have is I know that traditional Jamaican uh, wedding cakes that I remember have lots of it's like a black cake made with lots of liquor and fruit and dried fruits and it's just simply delicious. Yes. <laughs> the black cake. And then it has this very thick white icing. Do you do any, um, any variations on that Caribbean with your Caribbean background? Any variations? I do. Um, at the moment and where I was located uh, in the U.S. before, um, I did not. Have, we didn't mention you're in Saudi Arabia, by the way. Oh, right, that's true. <laughs> I'm not presently in Saudi Arabia for a short period of time, um, yeah. but uh, so that cake in and of itself is not um, re- requested. Let's say. However, I have managed to adapt it a bit, and I. It's a cross between the wedding cake and a regular Christmas fruit cake, yeah. and so I do make that as a, a, a fruit cake offering, so to speak, um, around winter time. Um, I can't say Christmas because in Saudi Arabia, uh, they don't celebrate Christmas, um, mm-hmm. but I do offer that uh, as a variation on that and people love it, it's wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting how various people um, identify it from their childhood, but I've heard things like, oh, this is just like when I was in the Philippines, you know, uh, it reminds me of home. Or somebody said, oh, we have something very similar to this in Sweden, and it was wonderful to have, things like that. So it has really um, been great. I will say that when I got married, I requested and kind of made the person (laughs) make a traditional Jamaican cake, a wedding cake with the thick white icing and the marzipan layer and everything, <laughs> and it was wonderful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so it, it's been great, um, but I can hardly wait to get back to the States and, uh, you know, revive that more even and put that back on my offering. So it's great. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. And um, how can people get in touch with you or follow you on social media? Um, Well, okay. Uh, In terms of getting in touch with me, uh, my website, obviously, it's nadiasindulgences.com. And um, so that's there and they can email me through that 
through the website. Uh, as far as social media goes, I am on Facebook, but most of my work will be seen on Instagram. So it's uh, Instagram and it's not his indulgences. I do, I recently started a um, chocolate uh, page uh, on Instagram as well um, with that. And it's Nadia's Chocolate Boutique. So anyone is you know, free to DM me or just ask questions. It would be wonderful um, mm -hmm. just to get feedback. Uh, so I hope everyone will take a look and uh, see what they think and give me feedback. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, and Nadia's indulgences, um, can you just spell out your your uh, dot com for us? Mm -hmm. Sure, it's Nadia, N as in Nancy, A, D as in David, I, A, indulgences, I, N, D, U, L, G, N, C, E, S, Nadia's indulgences dot com. Um, no spaces or underscore, it's all one word. Mm -hmm. And um, that's really it. And the Nadia's indulgences is the same on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, and the chocolates are also on Instagram. Uh, I'm going to look on <laughs> yes, Nadia's Chocolate Boutique, yes. Wonderful. So um, you'll see my journey that I'm chronicling basically uh, with the chocolates until yeah. I'm ready to, yeah, it, it's, it's so much fun. That's and again, exciting. it is, it is, and I'm able to be very creative. That's a little bit more like painting, so it's another um, avenue for me to explore and express myself. Ooh, I so, love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other th question I always ask my guests is, what's your definition of creativity? Oh, that's a good question. Um, creativity is being able to express yourself, to express oneself. For me, it doesn't matter how or a medium or anything specific. I think it is expressing oneself uh, even the way you speak or the way you walk is an expression of self and that is being creative to me. So beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Judith Hansen for speaking oh, with us today. Thank you so much. I am so pleased I enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. I'm glad I got to finally, finally <laughs> with you <laughs> and hear all oh. this. So I hope I did not ramble too.